Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How is everyone doing today? Spring is here for sure. I hope that all of you have been able to get out and move around and enjoy some of this beautiful weather that we have been experiencing. Yeah, we're starting to get some rain now, but it's much needed rain and it is April. And for us to have the flowers that we want, we have to have the showers, right? If this is your first time listening, I hope you enjoy this show and receive what God has given me to give to you for today. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Today and on Facebook at Kenya Z Edwards. Now. I have an announcement to make. I am glad to announce that, drumroll please, I took the vaccine. I know I was going on and on about getting it and which one I wanted to get and yada, yada, yada. So long story short, I got the Pfizer, right? And it's all good, I know. What I have learned though through this entire process is that God is going to give you what he wants you to have, right? We can want whatever we want, but he's going to give you what he wants you to have. I just need to follow and stop yapping my gums about everything. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still in that learning process of knowing when to not talk about certain things and not to just keep going on and on and on and on and on. Sometimes I'm still learning. I still do it sometimes, but for the most part, I'm learning. But now what I would like for you guys to know is I have gotten to the point where I'm learning how to be totally obedient and totally surrendering to God. I mean, I was surrendered Okay, let's put it this way. If we all were to take inventory of ourselves and say, were we actually totally surrendered 
I don't know about you guys, but I want to keep it real. I wasn't totally surrendered in all areas. I, I really wasn't. I was trying my best to be, but I really wasn't. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that I was because I know that I wasn't. And I have been learning through different situations that the Lord has been taking me through. I'm learning to totally surrender. But getting back to the vaccine, I'm happy to report that I only experienced soreness in my arm and some fatigue. Those were my only reactions to the vaccine, right? So I'm not sure what it's doing inside of my body right now, but God is in control and it will do what he deems it to do, right? Some people that I have spoken to though, have gotten a little ill from it, from taking the vaccine. They experienced flu-like symptoms and, you know, the same way COVID affected everyone differently, this vaccine is, is affecting everyone differently. But one thing I will state is that it has given me more of a peace of mind, right? I don't have as much anxiety and fear about going out into the street, going to the supermarket, going to wherever I need to go as I did in the beginning. And I think if, if I had not had taken the vaccine, my anxiety level would have been heightened because the weather is getting warmer. More people are out and about. So no matter where I would have gone, not that it would have been in massive crowds, but it would have been more people than before when everyone was trying to stay inside and avoid one another. People are now starting to go out and they're doing what they need to do. So, so for me to have peace of mind, I'm sure that's why he arranged for me to um, have the vaccine so I wouldn't go stir crazy and I'd be able to live my life as I need to. My advice to all of you who are still on the fence about whether you want to take it or not, totally do your research. I did my research and I took it when I felt comfortable. So until you feel comfortable taking it, do your research and then make the appointment for when you want to do it and you do it when you feel that it's best for you to do it. And I say that because it's a personal decision and you have to be 100% on board with it. You have to be mentally ready to alleviate the stress of going to take it because it's, it's even stressful when you're going there to take it. I mean, the anxiety around this whole virus thing, it's, it's crazy. But in order for you to be at least mentally prepared to take it and then deal with whatever physical elements will come to you after taking it, you need to do your research and be ready and be 100% on board, right? So now getting into today's show, I have often said that everyone should have a signature scripture, right? One that you can go to whenever you need to hear the word of God to you or even a word from God to you. Everyone should have that scripture that they feel God gave me this to hold on to. And he explains to you 
or he gives it to you in the situation so that you understand why he has given you that scripture to hold on to. So now today we're going to talk about my favorite scripture, which is Matthew 6, 33. And now I'm sure when I say it's my favorite scripture, you guys are all wondering, well, why is it her favorite scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I'm going to tell you. This was actually the scripture that led me back to living my life for Christ. Yes, I know when I say that, it's hard for you guys to believe that I too, at one time, had decided to walk away from this whole God, Jesus experience and just, I was just tired. And you know how they say about growing, you know what they say about growing weary? It's actually in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And as usual, I am doing all my reading from the new King James Version. But see, that was the whole key. I needed to wait on the Lord. And what I had grown weary of was the act of doing and the church. Now, let me explain that. See, what God had showed us last year in shutting down the churches and well, really with the pandemic, how the churches had to be shut down and we couldn't gather because of the virus. God was showing us as he had shown me years before that it's not about the brick and mortar church. It's not about the usher boards. It's not about the women's auxiliary luncheons or the pastoral team. It was always about our relationship with God and Christ. It was always about the gospel. So at one time in my life, it just, it, my life just was not going the way I had envisioned it to be going, right? Everything appeared to be a struggle. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? That no matter what you try to do, no matter how hard you try to put all your efforts into it, nothing seems to work out right. But most of it, when I look back and when I was doing it also, I was aware of it, but you know how you're aware of it, but you just blank it out of your mind and you just keep going. It was because I wasn't following as God was leading me to go. He would give me one direction to go in one path to take, and I would go another. So Actually, I was the one making my life harder than it needed to be. I was just looking for the blessings without wanting to put in the work. And when I say put in the work, the work was building a relationship. So now fast forward through, I got into seminary school and memorization of scripture did not come easy for me. And I remember in seminary school, we had to memorize certain scriptures and then we would be tested on them. And if you omitted one comma, a hyphen, or even a semicolon, it was incorrect. So as you can imagine, that part of the course was the most 
difficult for me. It seemed like no matter any, no matter what I tried to remember, no matter how I tried to study the scripture, I could never retain everything exactly the way it needed to be retained. Right? So, but can I tell you something? When you need to hold on to a scripture because of what it means to you, you will remember that scripture. You will remember exactly how that scripture is worded because it matters because it matters at a point in your life where you are counting on it to see you through whatever you are experiencing at that moment. So now don't get me wrong. All scriptures matter, but the one, the ones, the one or the ones, however many you have that helps you to understand where you are at a particular time in your life. Those are the life changers. Those are the ones that you will remember verbatim. If you never even saw it written anywhere, as soon as someone were to say something to you and it triggers that scripture back to your mind, you're going to say it, right? So this is the one that mattered the most to me at that point in my life. And it seemed like once I learned that scripture and I started meditating on that scripture and living out that scripture, all the other scriptures were, were able to come to me at that point, because then I could reference everything else going forward after that. Now, if this were a movie, this would be the part where if we were filming, they would be key in the scripture. So you would see me standing there reflecting on my life in the past. And you would see Matthew 633 floating around in the background, <laughs> the words of the scripture, but here it is. This is the scripture of Matthew 6:33. And today I want to talk in depth about this scripture. And it goes, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." Now, he gave me that when I was questioning what he wanted me to do, why he wanted me to do it. How come I had to be the one to do it? Yada, yada, yada. You guys already know this story. I've given it to you a thousand times, but you know me, I'm the woman of a fifth of 50 questions, right? And God is always showing us how we can be better, how we can do better and what we need to do to get there to be better. So today, like I said, we're going to examine my favorite scripture and see how it applies to everyone's life. Not just my life, but if you really think about it, it applies to everyone's life. And with that, and with examining that scripture, it's going to actually answer the questions. What does God expect from us? Which is also another way of asking the question, what is the purpose of my life or what is my purpose in life? And when we ask God to show us, what is it that he wants us to do? Now that scripture answers all of those questions. So we're going to start with the beginning. We're going to take it and we're going to break it down. Now this scripture is actually a part of the sermon on the Mount and the sermon on the Mount consists of sayings and teachings that was spoken by Jesus Christ, which emphasized his moral teachings. Now these teachings are located in chapters five, six, and seven in the gospel of Matthew. So if you want to understand the moral teachings that Jesus was giving at the sermon on the Mount, you go to 
the book of Matthew and it's chapters five, six, and seven. So here we go. When you think about it, Jesus stated that when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will fall into place. So let us begin with what it means to seek. What does it mean to seek? Miriam Webster defines it as an attempt to find something. So when we are seek when we are seeking or attempting to find the kingdom, we have to ask ourselves, what is the kingdom of God? Because how could we go out and fully understand what it is that we're attempting to find if we don't fully understand what it is that we're looking for? So let's define what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus Christ is king. In this kingdom, God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. So in other words, ain't nothing going down in the kingdom of God unless God says it's going down, right? So when we take these two definitions and we put them together, we are stating that when we seek first the kingdom of God, we are attempting to find the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus Christ is king. So now in order for us to do that, the first thing we must do is surrender our lives to Christ, right? We have to allow him to be our Lord and savior because since Christ is the bridge that brought us back to God, the only way we can possibly attempt to find the realm where God reigns is through his son. So allowing him to order our steps, because how else would we know how to walk and where to walk unless he was to guide us? Allowing him to order our steps helps us to seek this kingdom that we're looking for where God reigns supreme. So seeking the kingdom is surrendering our lives to God. Now, the next part of the scripture states and his righteousness. And according to the Oxford dictionary, his righteousness means, or righteousness means the quality of being morally correct and justifiable. Righteousness implies that we are striving to have a correct relationship to the will of God and that we are trying to conform to his requirements, right? So we have received righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ. But when you think about it, what does a righteous person look like? Like where would you find examples of being morally correct? Well, the answer to that is in the word to begin we have the Beatitudes, which is Matthew 5, starting at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be confront comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed 
are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now he goes on to state that he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law or the prophets because Jesus knew that the law was something that man could never ever keep. In a million years, he knew that the law is something that man couldn't keep because the law was actually created to show man where his faults were. Not that God expected them to keep the laws. He wanted to give them the laws to show them where they were falling short. But the only one that could fulfill the laws or could ever keep the laws had to come to and to be the answer for the laws, which was Christ himself. So the word of God shows us how we can be morally correct and live a life of righteousness. When we read the scriptures, we are allowing God to speak to our hearts and correct what needs to be changed. And he does this by showing us where we are falling short and how we can do better. And Hebrews 12 five to seven. It is Hebrews 12, right? Yes. Hebrews 12, five to seven reminds us that, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So now that right there is just telling us that when you are a child of God and you are following or trying to follow what he is telling you to do, but you fall short. Yeah. He's going to pull your coattail and he's going to remind you, um, hello. He's going to tap you on the shoulder. Uh, hello. No, that's not exactly what I wanted you to do, but I'll let you try again and see if we could get this correct. So if we put everything together starting with the whole entire Matthew 6:33 right so now we'll have the first part the first part right seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness which in other words means attempt to find the realm where god reigns supreme and jesus christ is king while being morally correct Surrender your life to Christ, who is king, and read the word daily to get an understanding on how to live life. Okay, that's the first part. So then we ask ourselves the question, what is God's will for our lives? So when we look at it like that, it's sort of simple. His will is that we try our best to live like Christ, while also looking for him first in everything that we do. When we think of it that way, it makes the road to travel more interesting, not less bumpy, just more interesting. When we seek God first, 
we are saying that we are willing to follow wherever he leads us. We are not looking to satisfy our own feelings or desires. We are looking to be what God wants us to be. We are seeking God first. And now the second part of the scripture, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things means just that things, whatever it is you are in need of. Meaning that when we think about, oh, where are we going to work? Oh, what are we going to wear? Oh, what are we going to eat? Oh, what are we, where are we going to go vacation? All these things shall be added unto you. If it's God's will for you, you will receive it. And I'm talking about the bigger things like, oh, we want a house, a mansion and like Elma J. Fudd. I wanted a mansion and a yacht, right? Maybe some of us, it's not his will for us to have a mansion and a yacht. Because maybe if we had that mansion and yacht, we would lose our minds. We wouldn't even know how to live life because we would totally abandon everything and just be so consumed with the mansion and the yacht. And of course, you know he doesn't want anything to be put before him, right? So when you think about it, things are whatever you are in need of if it's God's will for you to have it. You'll receive it. But most of us pray for things that we sort of know we're not supposed to want to pray for and that we know it's not within God's will, but we want it anyway. Like, okay, let me see for an example. Okay, like, <laughs> like you like, you like someone's husband and you're praying because the husband and the wife are having an issue. You're praying that he divorces his wife so that he could come to you. You can't pray for God to break up that marriage so that man will come to you. That's not the way it works. That's not the way God operates. That's not going to be within the will of God because you know, God wants everyone's marriage to stay together. So, you know, you can't, you cannot go praying that, oh, because this man is having a problem with his wife. He should just leave her. She's whatever, or he's whatever. She should just come to me. You know, if it's a man, you want to be with the wife and someone else wants to be with the husband whatever. That's not within God's will. So you praying that is not going to get you what you want, right? God wants what's best for you. And when you surrender your life to Christ and decide that you're going to follow the ways of the Lord, it's like you're saying like Jesus stated in the garden of Gethsemane, like we said last week, not your, not my will, but your will be done. And we all know we have that human side that we have a tendency to want to want to acquire things that aren't always the best for us. So sometimes it could be difficult, but it's not impossible. It could be difficult to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. But it's not impossible. When we seek the will of God, we won't want to make choices that are contrary to what God wants for us. Right? So we seek God's guidance, just as in the garden when Jesus was looking for God to remove the task of dying from him for mankind. We sometimes are given tasks that God, from God, we're sometimes given tasks from God that we won't want to do. But in the end, we obey as Jesus did and do it anyway. Because when you think about it, God is not going to tell us everything spelled out all at once as what he expects us to do. If he did, 
most of us, and I'll say the majority of us would say, oh no, I ain't doing it. I don't want no parts to that. He only expects us to follow when he gives us a step. And then he doesn't he give us a step until he knows we're able to handle the step. And then he'll give us another one. And then he'll give us another one. And then he'll give us another one. And before you know it, you would have arrived at your first destination. Because how the, many of you know, this journey is never ending. This journey is not, oh, I'm going to get to the end and then it's it. Yeah, the, it may be the end of your life of what you have to do here on earth. But of course, you know, we have life in the hereafter. So you still probably have things to do there as well. But we're just dealing in this realm where we're living right now. So let me just back up a moment. God is going to order your steps when it comes to doing what is divine, right? What he wants, what he has set for your purpose of being here. But as far as your life goes, like your everyday living, your routine, he's not going to tell you, oh, it's time for you to brush your teeth. You're going to be given tasks according to his word, right? Making sure that your decisions line up with the scriptures. You're not going to receive a little voice saying to you, oh, it's time for you to get up and take a shower and brush your teeth. You should know those things, right? So if people are looking for, oh, well, because you have some people that were like totally extremes. Oh, I don't do anything unless I get a sign from the Lord. Okay. What are you talking about? To go to the store, to go to the supermarket and you have to, you need a sign from the Lord to do that. Well, some people live like that, but to me, that's to the extreme. There are certain tasks that he does expect you to do on your own. And the ones that he's given to you, the ones that he's designed your life to follow. Yeah, those tasks you're not going to know. So yes, he's going to direct you in the way that you should go about handling them. But what we have to also remember is that with everything, even when he directs our path, we still have free will to decide not to go that way. It's still always up to us in our free will in what we want to do and not to not do. So the biggest takeaway from the question of what is God's will for our lives? The answer is simple. It's to live as Jesus did being in communion with the father every day. And when we do that, everything else is gravy. So with that, we're going to take a music break. You have been listening to what would Kay say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. Spirit still say yes, yes. If I told you what I really need, would your heart and soul say yes? Now will your heart and soul say yes, yes? Will your spirit? 
back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now, I'd like to end this show today with our word of the month, which is justification, which is the action of showing something to be right or reasonable, and the action of declaring or making something righteous in the sight of God. Now, that word goes perfectly with what our lesson entailed today, Matthew 6, 33. And our promise for this week comes from James 4, 13 to 16. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And with that, I say, everyone enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a blessed week. COVID is still out there. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. Be kind to one another. Let's still continue to help one another whenever we can. And if it be God's will to bring us together again next week, I will see you then. Peace.
Can't escape the circle 